legends, you're listening to the Off-Road Performance Coach Podcast. If you want to be a beast on and off the dirt bike, you have come to the right place. All I ask from you is if you gain some value out of today's episode, please give it a share and tag me on your socials or your Insta story. I'd be super grateful if you'd share the love. Let's get stuck straight into today's episode. Just things for me. Hello, podcast legends. June Q&A podcast episode. We're coming to you today from the Caravan Podcast Studio in the thriving metropolis of Oruru, which is basically in the middle of nowhere in (laughs) South Australia. Um, Not much going on here in Oruru, but we have finally made it to our destination for a few days and parked up, so found the time to squeeze in this podcast episode. So again, thank you to everyone who has sent the questions in. I'm going to start off with just a couple of random ones that got sent in, and then we've got a few questions around sort of training off the bike and then some a couple of good ones around on-bike training, which was some really good, I guess, um, I, there's some value there that I think plenty of you guys will be able to take away from this one and apply to your own uh, your own training on the bike because that's a massive area I see that is some low-hanging fruit for a lot of people. So, a couple of random ones to kick it off. First one, when are the race-ready camps coming back again? So, definitely planning on doing more race-ready camps. Stell and I just obviously both have a fairly busy schedule between either of us and finding dates that line up for both of us, spare weekends, is quite difficult, especially as we're into the, I guess, the peak race season at the moment. So, we definitely are planning to run more for sure. It's just, um, I guess, probably once the race season dies down a little bit, like after, I guess, the calendar's like pretty booked up till September, I'm pretty sure, racing-wise. So after that, sort of, I guess that off-season, in inverted commas, sort of October, November, December, we'll definitely look at, at doing some when some weekend, free weekends pop up again. I can say where I'm getting... A lot closer to purchasing a property we've got our we've been looking at a couple recently so that is my goal to have a property where i've got a gym location to train off the bikes and obviously be able to ride on the bikes as well so that's my main goal at the moment is to have a facility like that where we can do both we can obviously make it easier for me to do some of the on-bike coaching for my clients, but also like provide that off-bike aspect so we can actually do both. Like you can come to my place, we've got the gym there, so we go through both. We're not just going through the on-bike stuff. There's a lot of stuff in the gym that we can go to, go through that carries over when we get out on the bike. So we can apply both of those. So getting really close hoping the goal is by the end of this year we'll have that locked in um, on a new property and like get the ball rolling with 
with setting everything up and, and building a sweet gym and tracks, which is going to be pretty cool. So, yeah, hang tight. We're getting close. Uh, next random one was, have I ever done the Bonnie Doon hard enduro? The answer is definitely not. No, I'm not a hard enduro guy. I definitely love riding like technical uh, single tracks. The point where you have to get off and push your bike, like like literally push your bike for a long period of time up a hill or something like that, I'm not into that. That kind of that's when the fun really kind of gets taken out of it for me. <laughs> I like to actually ride my bike. Like I got no problem with getting down into first gear and riding some super technical slow going stuff. I love that stuff. I'm just not sure how much I would enjoy actually trying to race that stuff. Like I, I love going riding in that technical stuff with the boys, like going for a big trail ride and clocking up some Ks in some technical single track. I'm just, I'm unsure how much I would enjoy actually trying to race that stuff. That being said, I would probably love, I wouldn't say love, but I should probably just do one just to see what it's like. I definitely wouldn't sign up for gold class, and I've heard bronze class is fairly basic, so I'd probably have a crack at a silver class potentially. Maybe there could be a YZ250 two-stroke build on the cards for that one day. would be a pretty cool thing to do, so I definitely wouldn't um, cancel it out. <laughs> you might see me do a hard enduro one day, but not on the cards anytime soon. Um, next one, starting to get into some, some training questions. This is a really good question. Came through on Instagram. Uh, just recommendations for stretching after long drives to races slash after race recovery stretches. So the biggest thing, or I guess what, when we're sitting, when we get, as you guys know, when you, you have to travel multiple hours to some of these races that we do. You spend a lot of time sitting down. So the common areas that are going to tighten up are the hips. So hip flexors, glutes, hammies, like all the, all the muscle groups around the hips usually cop it the hardest when we're sitting down for a long period of time. So you really just want to be targeting them for the most part. My go-tos are just like simply a couch stretch for the hip flexors and the front of the quads and then something like a pigeon stretch or a 90-90 stretch for uh, the glutes and sort of the back of the hips. So they're just two like real easy ones. Opening up the chest is not a bad idea either. So like something like a broomstick dislocate, which you could use a uh, resistance band for if you don't have a broomstick where you're just sort of stretching the shoulders up, uh, like the stick goes up above the head and, and around the back of the shoulders. So it's really good for opening up the chest and the pecs. That's a really good one too. Um, but yeah, you, you just want to have something that you know works for you uh, and hits the areas that you feel like kind of tighten up after those long drives and, and after a race. So I've done like plenty of posts. If you go through all my posts on Instagram, there was one I posted, might be six weeks ago now, maybe two months ago when I did that Glenmore Pony Express of uh, Liat Man's little... Um, mobility routine he did before the race there's a few good exercises in there hip opening side bend pigeon stretch off a bench um, the broomstick dislocates so there's if you go back through some of my posts there's plenty of mobility exercises in there that you'll find 
just putting together like a little routine for yourself that hits those areas that you feel like get tight on the drives and after races and like honestly it doesn't have to be much like going through just like a circuit of those three exercises like even one round um or two rounds like it's is lit literally going to take you like 10 minutes can make a massive difference um other than that's just like going for a walk like when you get there if you can walk the track or if you're not going to walk the track just go for a walk anyway go check out the town you're in go for a walk for half an hour and just get some um blood flow up circulation um that's like if you can do that get a bit of blood flow up and a bit of circulation before you do the stretches if you've been driving for hours that's like best case scenario um so yeah like getting movement circulation blood flow and then doing your stretches would be like an ideal scenario that i would recommend in that situation if you can if you can make that happen so next question around the off bike stuff was work fit or gym fit can a physically demanding job like eg being a tradie or something like that can that be enough to be competitive for racing so I would definitely say yes, Could it definitely can be enough to be competitive for racing. My question is, my question would be, do you want to be competitive or do you want to be the best version of yourself? Because at the end of the day, you can certainly have like a, a really, a decent level of base fitness by having an active job. And that's probably where the advantage there, if you're a tradesperson and you're on your feet all day carrying things moving getting lots of steps up um lifting heavy stuff then you're definitely going to have like a higher level of just base fitness and even just aerobic base fitness than someone that sits at a desk all day like that's a no-brainer you're obvious there's obviously going to be some sort of physical benefit to having a physically demanding job like that but if you want to be the best version of yourself then and get the best results that you are capable of, then training off the bike is going to accelerate and, and allow you to get better results, I would say. When you're... The thing with having a physically demanding job is most of the time, it's just repetitive stuff. So you're doing the same thing over and over again. So there'll be potentially a certain set of muscle groups that you're using a lot and there'll be some muscles that aren't really doing much so can potentially lead to not necessarily imbalances but you might get really strong in certain areas and not that strong in other areas so that's the whole idea of a a strength training program or strength and conditioning program is to level up your weaknesses and balance those things out and I would definitely take that stuff into account. Like if, if I've got a client who works a really physical job and they're doing big days, then their program would be adjusted to suit that. Like you literally wouldn't have to do as much conditioning work um, and potentially trim the strength training back and just focus on leveling up the areas to sort of to, to balance everything out, like I say. And it's obviously different for everyone, but like you could literally just do like two or three 30 minute strength sessions a week and 
and just put so I kind of put that icing on the cake. Like when you've if you've got a super physical job and a good level of base fitness and you're not like commonly in those scenarios, people are limited for time. Like you might be doing big days at work, 50, 60 hour weeks. So you're not going to be able to go to the gym and do a 60 to 90 minute training session every single day and still get like eight hours sleep every night. So you don't have to. That's where I think people think, oh, you know, training takes up so much time and I've got to be in the gym every day. You you don't, like, especially when you've got a really physical job and you're maintaining that base level of fitness, you can literally condense your training down into, like I said, three 30-minute sessions, which honestly, I believe every single person in the world can find three 30-minute sessions a week. If you can't, like, some, there's something wrong with the way you've set up your your life like you should be able to find 30 minutes three times a week and just condense that training program down it's not you're not going to be doing all the accessory work you're just going to pick the big rocks and say okay we've got a limited amount of time but we've we also spend a lot of hours in our week maintaining this sort of base level so we're just going to pick these big rocks like these five or six things that we know are going to give us big results and we're just going to focus on them we're going to cut all the fluff it's gone and we just get in there three times a week bang out these three 30 minute sessions and it's not going to pile in like a ton more fatigue into the system but it's going to allow you to just level up those those weaknesses and still train the body to again like to come back to the my philosophy with the whole training thing it's like the nervous system needs to be prepared for what's gonna what we're gonna face on the dirt bike and just like cruising around at work even though it's hard in inverted commas and you're doing it for 12 hours a day it's not actually that hard like it's very slow it's you might have a good level of base fitness but you're still not training the brain to like recruit muscle fibers um create tension um like all of these things that we that like that neurological side of strength training gives us those benefits where you're missing out on all of that so you don't necessarily like i said you don't have to do it for three hours a week or six hours a week you could literally just trim it back to three very short sessions and you're going to still get that benefit without bringing in like a massive amount of fatigue into your your weekly schedule so you should still be able to tolerate that like even if you're doing like massive weeks at work like three 30 minute sessions is not going to like tip you over the edge in in terms of recovery as long as you're being on top of your your nutrition and all the hydration and all those other things so yeah that would be my advice like i say you there's no doubt you're gonna be ahead of the person that sits or the even the version of yourself that sits at a desk um having a physically demanding job however like if you want to be the guy and be competitive consistently then i would be finding a way to to fit some strength training in um and that's the thing like kind of to circle back what i said at the start like i think a lot of 
like most people seriously underestimate the benefit of what a very small amount of strength training can actually do for you. And people think, oh, well, if I can't do an hour a day, well, then I'm just not going to fucking train because it's a waste of time. And that's just couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth because you can get a massive benefit from doing a very small amount of work when it's done with intent and purpose. So next couple of questions are moving on to a bit of on bike training. Um, first one is, is, is finding it hard to lean forward while keeping the leg up in turns. Is this a flexibility or a strength issue? So it could there's a, there's a couple of ways we're going to go with this, but just to answer that question straight away, is it flexibility or strength? It could be either, either or both. Like when you're lifting your leg up to rail a rut, obviously your hip flexors um, and your quad are working to lift that leg up. So if they're weak in that range of motion, potentially that could be an issue. For that leg to lift up, for the for those muscles to lift the leg up, the hip has to go into about 90 degrees of flexion. So if you're restricted in your hamstring or your glute mobility and your the length that you have in, in the opposite side of the body, then that could potentially be restricting. So most commonly, it's both. And that's why you don't just want to be stretching to try and lengthen things. And you don't just want to be trying to get stronger. We want to kind of level both of those up. So we want to get stronger, but we also want to improve our range of motion or our flexibility. Ideally speaking, that's like best case scenario. If we can improve our strength and our flexibility at the same time, which is actually fairly easy to do when you train correctly and you use full ranges of motion and include a little bit of strength training in there then we should see that that becomes easier without knowing you um, personally and knowing your and like watching you move then it's hard for me to say which one is it i would say both one i'd be working on hamstring length so some form of hamstring stretching um so like you want to at least be able, if you want to be able to hold your your leg like straight up in a rut, like level at the top of your tank shroud, you want to at least be able to touch your toes. Like when you bend over with straight knees to be able to touch your tippy toes with your fingertips, like minimum. Ideally, we can get palms to floor. If you're like halfway down your shins or at your kneecaps, which I see some people, it's like you're going to struggle to lift that leg up without like fully hunching um, through your lower back. So you could just do a little test there and see but that would be my recommendation working on hamstring uh, flexibility and lengthening them out a little bit and then strengthening up your hip flexors and your quads in that range of motion so if you've followed my instagram stories i think i actually posted it the other week because we've got them in the race ready live program at the moment is the hanging leg raises where you're hanging off a bar and you're lifting your legs up like straight legs that's the hardest version if you can't get straight legs which not that many people can in the beginning 
you're just going to do knees. So you're going to lift hanging from a bar. You're going to lift your knees up as tall as you possibly can for reps. And then once we build that up, we're going to get to that point where we can lift our legs straight up. So that's obviously targeting those, the hip flexors and into the, the core and the abs to strengthen that range of motion. So they're a bit of a staple. Like I put them in all my clients' programs from time to time. I love that hanging leg raise version because you also get in some mobility gains there for the shoulders, like just hanging off the bar. It's great for opening up the shoulders and that overhead range of motion and also like deloads the spine a little bit. And then we're obviously also getting that strength and hip strength for the abs and the hip flexors. So that would be my advice there. And then the other way I want to go with this is looking at your technique because if you're, the question was, I find it hard to lean forward while keeping the leg up in turns. The thing is with when you're, and I guess every turn is different. No two turns are the same. So the technique is not always going to be exactly the same, but just um, for a like a basic rut that you're trying to rail, when you're coming around the apex of the turn, you don't necessarily want to be leaning that far forward when you're at the apex of the turn. So you're entering the turn, you've put your leg up and you're coming around the apex of the turn. Generally speaking, your torso is going to be reasonably neutral there. Like actually you want to be sitting in the pocket of the seat, like basically straight above the foot pegs. And when you're coming around through the apex of the turn, you want to have sort of even pressure between the front and the back tires. So just being in a reasonably neutral position is going to achieve that. Now, depending on the turn, there's you might be a little bit forward, a little bit back, depending on what you're trying to do and just how you're trying to distribute your weight. Once we get to that point, once we get to the apex, commonly, that's when we want to be starting to roll the throttle on and thinking about leaning forward a little bit more. At that point... I, how I coach people is you don't need your leg up once you get there. Once you get around the apex and you're getting on the gas again and thinking about, we, we definitely want to think about leaning forward once we get past the apex, that foot needs to be back on the peg ASAP. Now, obviously, it's going to be a little bit different depending on the rut. If it's a really deep, long rut, you might not be able to get your foot peg back, your foot back on the peg straight away. But I would be looking at your technique because that's a really common thing I see is people leave that inside leg up for 20 meters down a straight, literally. And it's just flapping in the breeze, doing nothing. And it's I the way I coach people and the way I coach everything is, you'll have heard me use the word a lot, is intent. So when we take our feet off, it's totally fine to take our feet off the pegs, like there's going to be situations on the bike where we can maneuver it better with our foot off the peg and using it to balance, etc. That's completely fine. We don't have to be riding around the whole track with our feet on the pegs all the time, like Ken Roxon or someone. It's totally fine to take your foot off the peg. But when we take it off, it needs to be done with intent. So we take it off and squeeze the, ins the radiator shroud to rail that turn. As soon as we get to that point that the throttle is coming on and we're getting a little bit more aggressive with our body position and starting to lean forward a little bit that foot peg comes straight that foot i should say comes straight back onto that foot peg because we're driving 
our feet down into the pegs. We want to be driving our feet into the pegs to get that traction into the rear wheel. So that could just potentially, if you're getting to the point where you're trying to lean forward and accelerating and you've still got your leg up, then that could potentially just solve that problem for you anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like if you don't need to keep your leg up when you're accelerating, you want to get your leg back on the foot back on the peg and drive and that intent of pushing your feet into the foot pegs when you're getting on the gas will naturally drive your upper body forward and get your chin over the bar pad you're not we don't want to we're not pulling our body forward with our arms we're pushing our body forward and hinging at the hips by applying pressure into the foot pegs so you never really want to be just sitting on the bike and your legs are just passive and all your body weight is in your your ass on the seat. We want to be giving the bike input through the foot pegs all of the time, whether we're standing or sitting. So it's like this active position, even when we're sitting and we're driving our body weight into the foot pegs. And that allows us to hinge forward at the hips. It's going to take a lot of load off your arms. Um, again, super common for, to see people who are suffering from arm pump is they're not using their lower body at all and they're just relying on their arms to yank themselves forward. So that would be my other little bonus tip there. Definitely work on the flexibility and strength for sure. It's going to make your life easier in every situation. But then just have a look at your, get someone to video you, go rail in a turn and see that, like that whole thing that I just talked about, like coming around to the apex, rolling on the throttle, putting your foot back on the peg and then like driving your feet into the pegs and hinging forward as you accelerate, that's happening in about half a second. So there's a whole lot of shit going on there that happens like that, like within less than a blink of an eye. So what you're probably going to want to do is just slow it down and take a little bit of the speed off and focus on those couple of little things is getting the foot back on the peg as you roll the throttle on as you come around the apex of the turn so next and final question which is a good one it's kind of ties into that one is and i really love this question that's why i thought i'd leave it to last is the intent and drills for on bike practice the reason i love this question is because it starts with intent and that is honestly you know you know how much you you guys know how much i love that word and intent <laughs> uh that's where i see that is so much low hanging fruit for people and that's the difference between the best of the best and my clients who are like pro and winning consistently more consistently than say someone who just comes who's like a say a mid mid pack or even like a decent expert level rider and they want to get to where those guys are that's the biggest difference i see is whenever a pro goes out on his bike there is intent behind it and there is a reason for it now at the end of the day like probably every single one of you listening to this podcast you started riding for the same reason i did and that was to have fun there's no doubt that 
we still want to have fun when we go out and ride a dirt bike. And that could be the intent for some of your time on the bike. You could be like, you know what, today I'm just going out with the boys and the intent is to have a shitload of fun. We're just going to get some get some insta bangers of blown berms or whatever it might be. Every single time we go on out on the bike, it needs to be done with intent. So what are we actually going to do today? Are we testing? Maybe we're testing some suspension. Maybe we're testing some gearing. Maybe we're testing some tires. There's a whole host of things that we can be testing. Then we get into the riding aspect. Uh, are we going to just work on some technique? What technique are we going to work on? Like, What's my actual weakness on the bike? What do I need to focus my intent on when I'm training on the bike to improve my performance? Then we get to actually doing some motos. Okay, are we just going to ride around for 30 minutes and then come into the pits and talk shit to the boys? Or are we actually going to analyze what we did when we're out there? Like, what were our lap times? How consistent was our last lap compared to our first lap? Are we doing 30s or 40s? Or are we doing sprints? Are we trying to work on sprint speed? How fast are my laps I can maintain in a 40-minute moto compared to my sprint laps? Like, there's a whole host of intent we can bring to even just doing motos. Um, the, the idea here is when we go out on the bike, if we've got a goal, at the end of that session, we can tick that box and say, yep, I achieved that goal. Or at the very least, I learned something today. And the more times you can do that when you go out on the bike, the more confident version of yourself will rock up on the start line. If you're just going out burning fuel for no reason, not for no reason, but there's no intent behind it and you don't learn anything from it, then there's a whole lot of low-hanging fruit there. Pro riders go into every session with intent, with purpose, and they learn something from every session. Whether that be technique, whether that be about their lap times, or whether that be about testing something on the bike. So when they get to a race, they're more prepared. They're like, okay, the track's like this certain soil and it's wet because we got an inch of rain yesterday i know what tires to run i know what setting to run so they've got something to work of because they've tested it they've taken notes and they've learned through that process again that's the biggest difference i see and that biggest bit of low-hanging fruit for the average guy compared to a pro guy so, after that little rant, <laughs> intent is key. And that is just the biggest thing I can say is just when you go out on your bike, just set your intention for the day. What am I actually going to do today? Am I going to do some sprints? Am I going to do some longer motos? Am I going to do some testing, gearing, suspension, whatever it might be? And when you're finished, actually take some notes. If you write it in your phone or you have a journal or whatever it is, take some notes. What did I learn? Did it? Did I achieve the goal of the session? Yes or no? And what did I learn from it? And then you apply that moving forward to the next session. So drills-wise, when it comes to actual technique on the dirt bike, is... My like favorite ones, there's there's a whole host of stuff that you can do, but 
my favorite ones that I think are like super easy for people to incorporate. And again, like they actually going to bring some value. Number one is just feed up drills. So writing, and again, like just to, fr- to frame this up, the when we want to work on technique, the intent has to be to forget about speed. We're not going out to try and smash a 30-minute moto when we're working on intent. The goal when we're working on technique is that we're forgetting about speed for the day or for this particular part of the session, okay? So when we want to work on our technique and do some drills, we're slowing things down. We're bringing it back to 70%. So that intent needs to be there because if you're still trying to ride at 100% and work on technique, it's unlocked. You're just going to default back to your to your previous habits or your, in inverted commas, bad habits that you're actually trying to fix. So you need to go into a technique or riding drill session with the intent of forgetting about trying to go fast. Today, I'm just going to actually try and go slow. Save the speed for when you do your motos and your sprints. So feed up drills, just riding around. It could be a sprint loop or a small track, a rut track, a turn track. And we're just going to ride around with our feet on the pegs. You can do standing, you can do sitting, but the primary goal and the only rule of this session is the feet stay on the pegs at all times. So what we're actually trying to emphasize here is the peg weighting and how we balance the bike with the lower body. We're obviously always using the arms to some extent, but for the most part, how we balance the bike and control it wants to be coming from the lower body and the input we give the foot pegs. And obviously where we're balancing that with our core and and where we position our upper body. But I would say like most people's balance problems on the dirt bike come from using too much of their upper body and their legs are just doing nothing. Their legs are flapping in the breeze and they're off the pegs and there's no intent through the foot pegs and they're trying to maneuver and balance, correct the bike with their upper body too much and then they lose balance. So I personally believe like you you guys will know all the posts I've put on Instagram about training balance. The best way to train your balance on a dirt bike is to practice riding around with your feet up on the pegs. If you've never done it before, it's going to feel foreign as heck and it's going to feel difficult and you're going to have to go so slow to what you're compared to, to going if you've never done it before. That is okay. What we want to do is get to a point where you can ride feet up on the pegs and you're actually not going that much slower than what your race pace would be at, at max intensity. So like I say, it's going to feel foreign at the start, but with repetition and bringing that intent to it, what you're going to find is you're actually going to learn how to balance the bike better by the input you're giving it through the foot pegs. Over time, your speed will also improve. Honestly, like I said, best drill you can do for actually improving your balance on a dirt bike. You can obviously do like slow drills as well, like just like on the spot balancing and really slow balancing stuff too. But like, I don't know, I'd I'd see more benefits to that style of stuff 
if you were like more of a hard enduro rider or that where they are going a lot slower most of the stuff that we do for off-road is quite fast so we're trying to we're railing turns um railing ruts etc and trying to flow so yes there can definitely be some benefit to doing like static balance drills on the dirt bike but personally i believe like the actual skill is more specific when we're riding faster and we're trying to maintain flow and balance the bike so number one feet up drills number two which you can combine with the feet up drills um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be feet up it can be feet on and off taking your leg off when your rail turns is completely fine um, but it's just another drill that you can do and it's no rear brake so we're riding again around the whole track without touching the rear brake or you're only allowed to use the front brake so what this is going to teach you is most people don't or they like most people severely underestimate or just don't understand how much they can actually use their front brake to wash off speed so if you can get more confident with using your front brake and how much speed you can actually wash off then you'll be able to brake deeper and brake later and carry more entry speed into your corners so it's really good for teaching you how to flow turns and not rely on that rear brake so it's again it's a super common thing that people use their rear brake as a crutch and they'll get into the middle of the turn in the apex especially in a left-hander and they'll put their foot on the brake and lose all that mid-turn roll speed so the no rear brake drills again gonna feel foreign as heck and you probably have to gonna going to have to slow right down at the start but it's going to teach you how to roll through the middle of turns and it's also going to give you confidence with how strong your front brake actually is and where that that point is that you can actually um i guess the traction that you've got and the amount of feel you've actually got through your front tire um like stew baylor classic example that uh not the one just gone the one before the penton i think in that race he said he lost his brake two laps from the end lost his rear brake two laps from the end so the last two laps of the race when he was battling with um jordan ashburn for the win he had no rear brake he practices rear brakeless drills every single week at his training track so and there was a race in 2021 when he was on the yamaha that he actually still won he snapped the rear brake pedal completely off it was gone for the last two laps of the race and he still won i think he won that race by like a minute without a rear brake pedal because he practices it every single week so honestly one of the best drills you can do is no rebrake and then another one that you can kind of combine with that as well is no clutch again people rely not necessarily rely but they overuse their clutch so one under brakes if you're pulling your clutch in under brakes you're losing all that engine braking especially on a four stroke like you've got a massive amount of engine braking so again you can use that to your advantage so when the clutch like there's obvious, in certain instances you can like use your clutch if you want to actually roll faster into a turn but generally speaking if you want to utilize the engine braking then you want to have the clutch out under brakes and then you don't want to be hyper aggressive on that clutch 
again, you'll see people when they get on the throttle around a turn, first thing they do is they pull the clutch and just, ah, 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 like a, like a kid on a YZ80 or something. Like when the clutch is in, you're not going forward. So we want that, any power or throttle that we're giving the bike, we want that to go directly to the wheel. So again, what the clutch, the no clutch drill will also teach you is actually how to be smooth with your throttle. The, the cue we use is commit to the power. So when you come around past that apex and you start rolling the throttle on, it stays on. There's no blip of the throttle or no chop and no dabbing of the clutch. It's just a... If you watch any of these, like the best riders at off-road events, motocross even, their bikes are silent when they're entering a turn. When they go around the apex, you can hardly hear their bikes most of the time like especially in off-road you don't have to be as aggressive in off-road when um there's not like as much traction or a fully formed up rut or berm their and you can hardly hear their engine around the apex of the turn it's just smooth throttle application and once they start to straighten that bike up they are hyper aggressive on the throttle you watch someone who's like a back of the pack dude come around and it's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they're like on the throttle and on the clutch from the apex of the turn but they're going fucking nowhere it sounds fast but they're slow as shit so you watch any of these pro guys that throttle comes on at the apex and it stays on they don't chop the throttle and they don't hit the clutch it's just a smooth application of power from an eighth of a turn all the way all the way to close to full throttle once they get in a straight line and and going where they want to go so just to recap on that, feet up drills, sitting and standing, no rear brake drills, and no clutch drills. And you can combine the no rear brake. You can com- combine all of those, like in all honesty. You can do them all together or you can do them separately. Um, but they would be my three biggest ones, especially when you're kind of out there on your on your own, riding around and you want to bring some sort of intent to some drills to do, is feet up, no rear brake, and no rear clutch. It's all of those things are just going to bring you more in tune with the controls on your bike. Because at the end of the day, that's the way I see it. That's what one of the big things that separates a really fast rider from a not so fast rider is the their finer controls. They're so in tune with their brakes, their clutch, and their throttle, and modulating all of those things together to get power and traction out of that bike so the better we can get at being in tune with our controls the smoothness and the fineness of the application of all of them the throttle or the clutch or the brake depending on the situation and like i said all of those things are happening like in a split second on a dirt bike so half a second delay on any of those controls is time gone so the more in tune we can be with our controls and all of those drills are going to improve how in tune you are with all of your controls, with the smoothness of the throttle, the, your braking, the power you have braking, the input you're giving the bike, and all of those things. So, that's it for this episode. Thank you to everyone who sent the questions in. Super grateful. Appreciate you all. And we'll do it again next month. It's, what are we, we're coming up three weeks from Hatter now so 
we will probably do the next ver- the next Q&A podcast episode will be um, that week after Hatter, I would say. But I'll put some stuff out for questions for the next one. Like I say, I appreciate everyone that sent the questions in. I hope you got some value out of this one. If you did get some value from it, be super grateful if you'd give it a share on your socials. Get some more eyeballs on the good old podcast. Um, otherwise, hope you all have a great weekend and get to shred some trail. Bye-bye.